I do not, I am not looking to be the best wedding filmmaker in the world. I'm, I don't have the time for it. I don't care. That doesn't matter to me. I am trying to play with the best wedding filmmakers in the world, meaning I want to be in the arena and I want to, um, I want to keep up. Welcome back to another episode. This one is fun. We sit down with Alex Ruiz of Canvas in Light. And Alex is a videographer and a visual storyteller. And this conversation could have lasted for hours. And it is amazing because over the last few years as she's gotten into storytelling, she's had some of those mind-blowing experiences as she has traveled the world to capture stories that matter. And also we get to see a little bit about how she started in more of a traditional journalistic background and just realized it wasn't for her. Also, we do talk about how Alex had a video of her tripping at her sister's wedding go viral and it got shown on the Today Show. So this is a fun episode. Let's go ahead and dive in and learn all about Alex Ruiz. Welcome to the Small Business Storytellers, the podcast designed for business owners, marketers, and entrepreneurs wanting to make an impact through the work that they do. I'm your host, Seth Silvers, and my passion is building brands that last by marketing with stories. On this podcast, we share stories with you of people who are growing their businesses the right way, and we teach you how to grow what you're doing through storytelling and authentic marketing. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the Small Business Storytellers. Today, I'm uh, sitting with somebody I have a lot of respect for in the creative community in Colorado, but I haven't gotten to talk with as much as I'd like, and that is Alex Ruiz with Canvas and Light. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, This will be a fun conversation because uh, Alex is in the storytelling space, as are we, and so I feel like there's so many things I could ask about. Um, and so to start off, Alex, share with us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and also wouldn't mind hearing about how you stole the show at your sister's wedding two years yeah, ago. Totally. Um, okay, so I, I'm a Denver, more of a Denver native, went, up to, went to school up at CSU, um, studied, I wanted to be like this kick-ass um, uh, political writer at like the New York Times and like uncover um, Harry Weinstein or, you know, all these stories. And I had a professor and I was really into writing and I had a professor probably my sophomore year and she like was so great, but pulled me aside and she was like, I just like, don't, I don't think this, you're getting this writing thing. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I, I, and she was just like, I think you're more cut out for television. They write at like more of a kindergarten level. <laughs> and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I, I'm a good writer, but I think, and I'm, but I'm so thankful for that conversation. Cause it's true. I, the, I, I talk and write, like I'm telling you a story or, or in these simple, like I want everyone to, it, it to feel approachable and newspapers are not that approachable honestly if you like really look at how they're written um and so I after I like got over the fact that I wasn't gonna work in the New York Times um I started moving into television and wanted to be a news reporter um so did that graduated worked for CBS their local bureau here and um I was like the one one of the reporters and it was amazing. It was like a totally crazy, bizarre experience. Mm. This was when in Fort Collins, there was like the fire, the High Park fire. My first day, the High Park fire happened and wow. they were like, all right, get out there. And I was like, 
get out where? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I like <laughs> show up in this news car that it was like a, it was a, well, it's a terrible news car. Everyone else is in these like massive live shot cars. And everyone, every national network was there. My like tripod is being shared with um, CBS this morning. And I'm like, I, I don't even know how to put a microphone on someone, right? I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know that how to work this camera. Um, but I kind of worked that way. Like, hey, let's just figure this out as we go. I like try, I interviewed. So everyone was like interviewing a victim at, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. And I went up to someone who I thought was a victim of the fire and it ended up, it was actually an anchor at CBS. <laughs> and she was like, what are you asking me? And I was like, well, how, how's your home? And she was just like, it's in New York and it's fine. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to crawl under. I just didn't know what I was doing. Were you um, recording those moments? Like, do you have that on tape? I don't think so. I would, <laughs> I should go back and look. That would be pretty amazing. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So embarrassing. So anyways, got the hang of it. Um, just, it was a wild two years, met the president, um, was in helicopters because that's when the floods happened. It was just like this crash course in, and we're, we're telling two or three stories a day and you're turning them like crazy. So I'm making probably six or seven minutes worth of content every single day with interviews. And, and so you just learn to edit really fast and tell stories. Like people are talking and you're like, oh, that's what we need. That's the soundbite we need. Um, but then it got to like sad news is just sad and I just felt like I was not I it was I I had learned all I could from this mm. um world of news and so moved on uh decided my friend and I one of my best friends I was like do you think we could start our own thing and she was like no <laughs> I was like <laughs> well we should try and so Seems like you, you consistently have people close to you tell you not to do what you want to do oh for sure and that's <laughs> the best thing ever it's like oh really you don't think I can but I you need those people right. like you really do people who are grounded but want the best for you right um and I someone told me the other day they were like you could convince you could convince a stick to grow legs and walk like you when you're passionate about something and, and it's that visionary thing of like, no, I think this stick could really become a human and walk and I'm going to show you how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think in that time, that was the first time where I was like, no, I think we could make a film uh, for this organization that we were a part of a church um, because no one's seen what's happening around the world. They had, they had like 70 churches around the world and no one knew about it. No one was seeing this. And so Anyways, flew down to the meet the big dogs in Waco, Texas, and we were like 23 and had no experience, and we're like, we think we should do this for you, and they were like, okay, we think so too, and so got a team, and we traveled for three months. Um, we, I mean, all the money came in. We needed a ton of money, um, and that was kind of the start of, oh, we could actually make films that matter, and um and and start something so that was the first move into more of the documentary world and from there started doing um probably the, one of the more like the biggest one we did was we Alwadi which we um it was a, we did the Syrian refugee walk so we started in um 
Syria, the border of Lebanon, Syria, and walked to Germany um, and just. I think, I think that's the one that I was at the premiere of. Yeah. Um, which was that like was that at that was at Timberline the big premiere? That, oh, that was actually at Movement. That was Movement. That okay, was that was the Movement one. Yeah, I remember. So I remember stum coming into the premiere of your yeah. first film. Yeah, that was so crazy. I still can't believe I watched it the other night for the first time in like four years. And I was like, I can't believe we did that. <laughs> we had a lot of audacity to think we could. And tell like tell the listeners a little bit about these trips, because it's not just like it's not like you were going and like staying in like high rises in London and capturing like stories of like you guys were telling stories that are not common or comfortable to tell. Yeah, I mean, we were so we started our first Basically, we were trying to cover 10 countries that felt like they um, covered a, a, the wide gamut of what this organization was doing. And so we started in Mongolia, which, I mean, I had gone to Mexico with my parents to lay on the beach, but I hadn't really been overseas. And so we started in Mongolia and it was just, I mean, we were like in the middle of nowhere, um, total culture shock. Um, and so we just were staying in these huts. And then from there we flew to Lebanon, which I had never been in the Middle East. Everybody like talks about the Middle East, like it's so scary. Um, and we had totally internalized that. And then we got there and we were like, these are the best people I've ever met in my life. And Lebanon is probably my favorite country. I've been back numerous times and I just think it's, it's the most amazing. But we were at the time, this was at the very start of the Syrian crisis. And so even just beginning to see that and filming that, and I even look back at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe we were there. Um, we were in India laying on like, hot, I mean, again, huts and in huts. Um, then we went to, we were in London for a little bit, Dubai, um, and then went to South Africa. So we were in parts of um, South Africa and other, uh, Zimbabwe. So just like so much all at once. And you're carrying all your gear. Um, and you're interviewing people you just never in a million years thought you would have the honor to just people who are laying giving their lives to a cause that it's pretty incredible so it was it was amazing and then after that we started um we did another project where we were we wanted to go to the remotest places um we could find where um people were um sharing the gospel and so we were in nepal we were trekking for days in Nepal and it was just like unreal like so exhausting and also like people do this you know every day or you know just yeah. so mind-blowing we we're in the Amazon um so yeah those are kind of the types of projects we um, have launched and started working okay and then how did you transition to where <laughs> I guess now I know that you're doing a lot of weddings and like yeah. you guys, and I'll say like people should go and look at your films. And one thing I've, I've liked about them is like, I just feel like you have a really like, I feel like you have a really clear aesthetic. Like I feel like there's a lot of video people out there and a lot of storytellers that they kind of just try and make things look good and you see it and you're like, okay, this video looks good. But I feel like in your films, it's like, you have a really intentional like aesthetic and style and stuff. So how did you get into that? And then also, are you just doing weddings now or kind of yeah. what does it look like for you now? Cool. So yeah, we were, um, 
it was still my friend and I, best friend and I, who were making these films, and we were realizing, like, oh, but they don't make a lot of money. <laughs> I, I mean, most people, unless you are um, working for HBO and you found a niche, like, you're not going to make a ton of money, at least at the beginning, um, making independent documentaries. It's just, there's not a great platform at this mm -hmm. moment for that, those to be shown. I, I mean, you can go into film festivals, but um, you're paying to get in there and um, you even if you win it's it depending on the festival it's like well okay great I just paid and that's amazing like that's why you do it is so people can see these um these projects but we were also very aware that we're not making money and so at the time our, a bunch of our friends were getting married and they were like do you think you could make a wedding video and this was before I feel like now wedding videos are really becoming mm -hmm. way more popular um it's almost like oh you didn't get a wedding video yeah. Um, but at the time, they were just beginning. I feel like we got in right at the um, the start where we could kind of figure things out. So made, did this wedding for free, did another one for, I think, $50. <laughs> and then we're like, hey, we're like kind of good at this. And again, it goes back to even in my news days, I was like, I know how to tell a story. I know how to look at the key elements of this day, whether it's, I'm looking at a Syrian refugee and trying to interview this person, or I'm um, capturing the moments where the dad, of the father of the bride is crying. Like I, you can, storytelling is the same. You know, you're trying to find your climax and your, et cetera. So um, yeah, I just kind of started doing more. And then we were like, okay, could we do this as an income? And then this will allow us to do the other things that we really love to do. Um, and so it started working and then it became really, really popular. <laughs> and, and not just us, but wedding films became really, really popular. Right. Um, and so we won, well, first summer we probably did about 15, the next summer um, we probably moved into like 30 and now, two summers we've done 40 and it was just like too much and so we backed off a, a decent amount um mm -hmm. so we're probably doing about 20 weddings about half of those are travel um so we've been all over cool. which is really amazing to see um so yeah and the model still kind of worked where you know from may to, to september like that is our wedding season and where we uh, we make the bulk of the income that allows us to do these other projects um, on the side in the fall and then, and then in the spring. That's awesome. Yeah. What have you like, uh, talk to me about the business side of it, like what you've learned, because it sounds like you've kind of like stumbled into the storytelling passion, but then okay. now you've like found yourself like, wait, I have to like figure out how to run a business and stuff. So like, what have you learned about the business side of it, uh, um, whether intentional or unintentional lessons? Yeah, I mean, like, I I am the last businessy person in the sense of, like, I mean, I wish you could, like, come back and hear these conversations I've had with more of my businessy friends where they're like, <laughs> wait, everything's filtering into your personal account. And I was like, well, yeah, what do you mean? And they were like, um, we mean that's not okay. Or, like, how are you paying your taxes? Or just these things where I was like, I don't know, just however. And I think it's different for um, me because it's not like I have a storefront. It's not like I have full-time employees. Um, we've chosen to like do more contract work. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and so it, I've had to set it up in a way that, um, or I've learned a lot along the way. Let's just say that. Yeah. I think the, the thing that I would say is for us, what has been amazing is our overhead is pretty minimal. So once we are, it's labor and gear is what I am typically paying for. Mm -hmm. um, and we have just invested in some amazing cameras that we've had for four years. And we haven't until recently haven't really had to upgrade. So that just takes your cost to um, cost to continue to run a business. It's just so right. So, minimal. Um, so that's been really, really helpful. I think I've, learned like what to invest in and what to not mm -hmm. um for me that's a lot been people like i think going back to the idea of aesthetic i am really picky about how i want things to look and how i want things to be shot and it's not what the guy next door is doing um i've just found what feels true to um, me and how i tell stories and how what the client is ultimately right um so i've invested a lot in people and sometimes that's worked it and most times it's worked actually um where they're like executing way better than i could have even thought they would so right um i don't know if that answers your question and i, I just listen or i watch a lot of um what other people are doing mm -hmm. and it's not always the like oh i want to do exactly that but it's like okay how do i do take something of that yeah um, and then we've just been able to teach workshops and teach other some of those other uh, younger people who are coming up to how to streamline your process as well right yeah i think i think that's really important and i also love how it's more it's more common now to um I think it's I think it's more common for people to be starting their own business because we have the ability to go online and type in the question of how do I do my taxes if I am totally. this age and in this like we can ask such specific questions and find the answers and stuff and so I just feel like information about how to build a business and how to run a business and how to avoid pitfalls is like so much more common that it's just it's more possible now than ever before. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, to be totally honest with you, there was our second year we were doing it. This was just the wedding portion. Um, we were, I think it was honestly the same summer or two, one summer after each other, but we were, we got, um, someone to both people threatened to sue us for, and it was a, it was a bride. Um, cause we didn't, we, and we totally messed up. We didn't film our full ceremony and it was like, oh my gosh, someone's trying to sue me. And I don't even know what this means, but I don't think it's good. <laughs> and I like called a couple of people and they were like, oh no, that's, that's not good. Um, and I think at that moment it was like, okay, we could shut the doors, be terrified of this or make it right and keep going. And we did. And I think the next summer we were like, you've got to be kidding me. And we've just learned so much along the way. Like we've made mega mistakes. Right. Clearly. Um, but I think in being trying to like put on the little humility and be like, okay, we totally screwed this up. Mm -hmm. I can't believe this is happening again. Also, how do we get better? And how do I not be afraid of this? You know, like how yeah. do I continue and actually use this to be better? Have you thought about quitting ever? 
they're just like closing the door have there been times where you've been like you know what i don't know if i can do this you know i would say more with the documentaries yeah okay i think that is such a hard world i think the competition is fierce the people that's how we communicate now is video everything's everything's a, a video and which is amazing, but it makes it hard to be unique and it makes it hard to tell a story that you, that hasn't already been told. You know, I was at the Lyric, this was probably last year watching, uh, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, it was about refugees. Um, anyways, it was really well, it was really great, but I was like, oh my gosh, like I've told that story and he did it too. And so it just, it, I think, those are the moments where I'm like, I don't know if this is, hmm. this has been worth it. And I took it, I have had to take some time away from it because it can be discouraging for sure. Um, I think I'm getting a little more amped to do some other stuff, yeah. but you gotta be in the right space and have the right people yeah. around you. Otherwise it's like, this will, I will drown in this. Are there, um, are there any stories that, like, do you have a list of like, whether it's in your head or on paper of some stories that you really want to tell or some documentaries that you want to make? Yeah, I've always been fascinated. Well, not always. Since the Pope became the Pope, I've been fascinated by him. I think he is a really interesting figure right now in our, in our world. Um, I watched Spotlight. I don't know if you've seen Spotlight. Uh -uh. You should go see it. It's an amazing, or it's an incredible film, but um, it was a true story about when everything in 2008, I think, came out about um, the different priests that what was happening in terms of abuse. And so anyways, after that, I just became fascinated with who the, our current Pope is. And I, my dream would be to follow him around. and um, to sit in the back of the Pope mobile. Yeah, totally. And I think there, there's been a movement of millennials towards Catholicism um, that is fascinating to me that yeah. become an uptick of people moving more towards the Catholic Church um, and I think the Pope has a lot to do with that so I think even I love and I just love to meet him <laughs> so secretly yeah that. um, that's cool that, yeah that'd be that yeah that would be fun um, and just there's so many like we just see these icons as just people when there's so much behind them uh, you mentioned earlier that um, you, you kind of know whether it's with immigrants or whether it's, you know, on your trip in Mongolia or a wedding. Like there's these key elements of a story that stay the same. Uh, what would you say like some of those key elements of just like a great story are that you're trying to pay attention to and trying to craft um, in every every story you tell? Yeah, I... Um, I did this storytelling workshop a, a little bit ago, uh, a couple, couple months ago, and um, I was like, let, so I started and I got up there and I was like, let me tell you the story about how I got my first car. And so when I was 16, passed the driver's test, super easy for me. Um, and uh, my parents said, what car do you want? And I said, oh, I just want, I want a blue Volvo hatchback and they were like okay so they take me to the Volvo store the guy comes oh and they just happen to have a blue Volvo with a hatchback and they were like sure let's buy it for you and so they buy it for me and 
then we drive off the lot and I live happily ever with my blue Volvo. That is a terrible story. It is the most awful story because nothing happened in there. I got everything I wanted. There was no, um, there was no resistance to me. I didn't fail the driving test. I didn't crash it as soon as I got off the lot. Um, I couldn't afford it, so I had to work in X, Y, and Z. And then finally the blue Volvo came, whatever. There was nothing about that story that was good because I didn't move your emotions at all. Like your heart stayed like this the whole time. Actually, you probably just like zoned out. Um, and so I think in telling a good story, whether it's I'm looking, the bride tells me that her dad was just diagnosed with cancer and, and he always, always ever wanted to do was walk her down the aisle. That's a story. And not because we want the tragic, but it's, this is real life. And this is going to move, this is moving her. And so it's going to move the audience, no matter right. if the audience is just the people at the wedding or if it's who's watching the wedding video. Right. Um, so I, I think wherever I'm looking at, does this even, can I even tell this story? Um, is there anything that's going to move my emotions, whether it's really good or really bad? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, I think that, I, I, I don't know if I explain that super well, but I just did a commercial for a huge brand, um, in New York. And, um, I think I was like looking at, and I don't want to say their name because I don't want them to think I don't love their commercial, but you're good. I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is so boring because there's nothing that yeah. I'm telling. There's no story that I'm telling. I'm just telling this brand that they're the best thing ever. Um, and there's a place for that, I guess, you know, I, I don't know, maybe that, that has worked for them, but, uh, there was, I didn't, there wasn't anything that hooked you, you know, mm -hmm. that said, yeah, oh, no, wow, that's, so true. Like, that's, that's getting at me. And I think even in the commercial space, that's where people are trying to move towards. Like we're seeing mm -hmm. these like 30 second, really cinematic. Um, oh my gosh. I just thought that was like something beautiful. And I realized it's a commercial for soap. Um, but I think, I think marketers are realizing like we were bombarded with stories all day long. We want something that elevates our heart and that moves my yeah. emotion and gives me like a little, little bit of a, um, heartbeat, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, it, a lot of the motivation when I started story on four years ago is because I was realizing, I was starting to see the data that showed me that I was not the only one who was picking brands because of their stories like I was not the only one in the world who wanted there to be who I, I like wanted to know what the values were and how yeah. the brand was making an impact and yeah. I started seeing all this data coming out that 80 90 percent of people will like happily switch brands if they feel like one has more of a story behind it oh, totally. and yeah you're totally right like the marketing space is behind it I think it's starting to get better but there's also because well people are realizing like oh consumers want to know a story like they want to know why we do what we do and if what we do is making the world a better place and the environment and people's lives a better place yeah. um and so i think the brands that can do a really good job like the brands that have these amazing stories it's a really good opportunity i'll shamelessly say that i can't stand any of budweiser's marketing because they're a brand where it's like you're not really making an impact okay like maybe paying your employees well but like you're making crappy beer and um, like there's not much there. 
And so what they choose to do, and a lot of brands do this, is like, it's like the puppy commercials at the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, let's find a really good story and then just throw our name at the end. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's total, I think like it's, it, it's manipulative because it's the difference of just like taking a really good story and getting people all emotional and then in that moment attaching our name to it. Uh, as opposed to actually like diving into what we do and being like, okay, is there a story to tell yeah. in your life or in your business? If there's not, then that's your problem. But like, yeah, yeah. so I, I totally, totally agree with that. And I, I think that that is really great. How do you, okay. So weddings are like, I know not, I've, I've been to weddings that don't go that smoothly, but most weddings, like <laughs> it's kind of like the happiest day of someone's life. Sure. Typically. Sure. We'll just stereotype that. So how do you like, um, not that you need negatives or like downers in a story in order to get like a good story, but on a day that is typically just like all positive and all good emotions, yeah. how do you not, how, like, how do you navigate that and not just like overload on positive emotions, but actually find like a story arc that has some ups and downs in that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's these, like, built-in things, like, the groom is really nervous, and so we kind of tap mm -hmm. into that. Um, I think that a lot of, like, typically people are going to be really emotional when they put the dress on, and the mom, and they're crying, and I, I think we're not trying to find um, necessarily a negative thing, but we are trying to find emotion, and that is the, I think when I have looked at and pushed our, our um, all our shooters to look for these key moments of emotion, because that's what's going to separate a film from a, mm -hmm. one wedding film from another wedding film, is we can color grade all we want and it looks really, really beautiful. But if I didn't capture your dad crying when you're walking down the aisle, well, then I missed the actual um emotion of the day right. and so i think we've just wired ourselves um to find those things and you kind of know like um like even like a groom's hands when he's about to like do the first look you can see him like fidgeting and a little nervously we tend to capture that because it's showing he's like excited and nervous for to see his bride mm -hmm. um or like the tears and you know we're just trying to capture as much emotion as we can throughout the day right. and that will that will give you this like up and down that you're looking for yeah, um, yeah that's great i think that's a good answer and yeah. good thing to look at and i would say i this is back to your pre we were what we were previously talking about but the importance of of good storytelling and just finding a story so i three years ago i was like i think i want to try and buy a house and this was in fort so at the time, this was in Fort Collins, and Fort Collins became nuts in the house world. Like, a, a tin can goes for sale, and people are, like, throwing right. their inheritance at it. And so I found, first house I looked at, I was like, I think I need to buy it. And um, people were, like, writing letters, you know, to, to like, send to the, to the seller to say, hey, you should totally sell your house to me, which I think, again, goes back to the power of, like, I'm putting a story behind this offer. And so we made a video of my niece 
Um, and she, my sister was a single mom at the time. And so I'm sorry, I shamelessly amped up the single momness. and Tatum, who was two, asked for the house on this video. And then we wrote a letter and we're like, we would love to live there. Just me and my sister and her daughter. And so we send it in, they call us the next day and they're like, you totally got the house. She was a single mom living with her sister. Um, and our offer was like 10,000 below. And they were like, we want you in this house. Like this feels right. And I was like, oh no, now we have a house. Like, what are we going to do? Now we actually have to buy it. <laughs> yeah. But it was such an amazing, like, oh my gosh, people, like they chose this story over $10,000 that they could have had. Mm -hmm. And it was like an amazing, like aha moment for me again of like the power of telling a great story, being a great story. And just like, and, and leaning into the areas of your life. So many people I think don't feel like they have a story to tell. Like, my yeah. gosh, get in, like, look at, get other people to look at your life or look at your business and say, Oh wait, this is actually really unique about us. And yeah. This piece is really unique about us. And then sell that. Like you don't need to, you don't need to fake something up. We can smell fake immediately. Right. Um, but if you just look at the bones of where you came and, and how you, you got there, I think there's a story, you know? Yeah. I love that. And that was also a very well-told story. And like, I just think there's, there's so many like key elements and I, yeah, that's a great story, but then also like you're practicing what you're preaching. Like, I think, um, my, one of my favorite pieces of storytelling is the un is unexpected like what's the unexpected piece of every story and like what you just said it's like oh young professionals should be able to buy a house but like unexpected is like oh you can't everybody's doing all of this crazy stuff just to try and get a house and so then it's like okay well that's the problem what are you guys going to do about it and then you you know come up with this crazy awesome video and and you win and stuff and it's like stories don't have to be these huge complex things and that's the beauty of it who or like what resources or there's probably some people i imagine that you follow but like where do you get some of your inspiration from just like a creative and like creative storyteller's perspective that's a great question um i honestly could be better at getting inspiration i mean i obsessively watch um what if it's i'm in the wedding world or wedding season i'm obsessively watching my favorite filmmakers uh, uh, not that anyone would care but like sculpting with time they're i think they're based in amsterdam um they're just phenomenal they just and they just it's not a wedding film at that point it's just this cinematic piece of art and so yeah. i think they're just their next level um, and then I just watch a lot of YouTube videos of how to, I mean, I feel like I'm constantly learning how to edit and yeah. relearn how to edit. Um, I, yeah, I think, um, music bed has been really a great resource. They are partnered with film supply and, um, just their music and then what they partner with their, the different documentaries. I think they've done a great job for young filmmakers and old filmmakers who are like, trying to move into the really commercial space but still stay cinematic and right so watching their short films has been really amazing um and awesome. honestly it's not the only thing i do like i have to try other things and so i think um i've become really obsessed with cooking 
like so obsessed and I, and I work from home most of the time yeah. um, when I'm not filming or shooting. And so midday, I'm not kidding you. I'm like slaving over this new tight dish that I have is so over my wow. head. Um, but it's become an incredible creative resource for me to do um, that isn't, isn't the technicality of editing or shooting, but right. still creating something. I'm still like burning myself. And like the other day I was trying the recipe called for um, chickpeas and I went to five grocery stores and I called my boyfriend and I was like, um, I can't find any chickpeas in any of the stores. And he was like, they're garbanzo beans. And I just didn't realize that. And so it just became this the whole thing. And I was like, those are the things that are so funny to me. And yep. just such a part of the like, oh my gosh, of course they're, of course they're going to buy And I told that story awesome. later at a big dinner. So it's just like that has become, I'm just trying to find creative outlets beyond what I normally do. That's cool. Yeah. yeah and I think that's super healthy too. And also if you need some uh, people to help sample your Thai dishes. Oh, Lacey and I will be down any time of the Perfect. day. I can't wait. I'm always looking for, for people to cook for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't actively look for it, but I could happily say that I'm always looking for people to cook for me. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love, we love, uh, we love Thai food and stuff. So I think that's awesome. But it is, it's, it's important to be just, uh, to not limit our creativity just to one area of our life. And I, and I think it sharpens all areas. So I love that um two more questions one is just like what would be what would be your advice to other business owners or like entrepreneurs who are working on building their business or building their dreams and making them a reality what would some of your advice be to those people yeah i would say um i don't know i feel i i feel like there has to be a really good balance between taking what um other people have done and also shutting off those channels. So like Instagram is a great example. I can't stand the thing, but I love it at the same time. I think it, it can create so much anxiety. Like I'm not doing enough. I'm not, Oh my gosh, they got to film that wedding. Um, Oh my gosh, I didn't post today. Like, I think there's like great marketing and you should, yep. that. um, but I think it like stay in your freaking lane, like totally. do the best you can do. Um, I, t at the storytelling workshop, I said, I told someone the other day, I was like, I do not, I am not looking to be the best wedding filmmaker in the world. I'm, I don't have the time for it. I don't care. That doesn't matter to me. I am trying to play with the best wedding filmmakers in the world, meaning I want to be in the arena and I want to, um, I want to keep up and, and say, oh yeah, I, I, I can, I can hang with those guys. But my whole goal, I'm not up at night, like, oh my gosh sculpting with time they did it again like I'm in my lane and I really like it um and I think like the the first two years man we took so many weddings for free like I just was like this hat I know I have to build something yeah um and so I worked three jobs and built it um and I was like so shameless like I um do you know who Abby Wambach is yeah okay so she married Glennon Doyle, who wrote all those books, that, and I had read her books, and then I, like, put together that they were getting married, and so I, I sent her, I sent Abby Wambach a message on Instagram and was like, hey, 
uh, so are you getting married? I was hoping I could film your wedding. And she was like, okay, send her our stuff. And she was like, we love it. Could you come to Florida? And I was like, oh no, oh my gosh. Like, this is insanity. You're like, all right, put your confident face on. Like, this is what I was expecting to happen. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course I'll come. And, you know, it was like a, a 30 person wedding and all the like um, women, national women's team was there. And I was like, this is in real life. I can't believe this. Wait, you're um, saying you actually filmed Abby Wambach's wedding? Yes, isn't that insane? <laughs> but I literally messaged her on Instagram. I like have her number um, and like, Secretly, sometimes I just want to like text her and you know, but yeah, totally filmed Abby Wambach's wedding two years ago or a year and a half ago. Oh my god, and it was just because I messaged her on Instagram and was like, Hey, um, did so she pay you for it? Yeah, cool, that's amazing. Well, I probably shouldn't have asked that on live, oh yeah, stuff, but whatever. Like, uh, I think like there's something about just going out and sometimes you have to do projects for free, but then also like you're just you're gonna get rewarded for just putting yourself out there and being willing to ask for business and stuff. So I think that's amazing. Um, uh, last question is, uh, one of, um, one of the stories that you filmed ended up on the today show. Can you tell our audience about that? Yeah. Uh, it was a Syrian. No, I wish. Um, I, (laughs) so my sister got married in two years ago. And so our, um, people filmed it so Will and Rachel who worked for me and um I so it was a little rainy that day and I had it I was like sober okay so today's show says I wasn't but I was sober because I had to make a speech the the best man I don't know if he was sober that's still questionable um but we were like what should we do you know into the entrance and it's such this like thing you have to like dance and do all whatever so we were like okay let's do like a you catch me, spin me around, whatever. And we didn't practice. So anyways, it was like kind of at a downhill. So we go in and I like, I just went for it, took a running start and he got so low. And then I just flipped over him and my dress rips. Everyone's like gasping, running over my sisters and her husband. Yeah, you like fell right on your face, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sorry, just I, like just like jumped over him isn't enough to yeah, and then yeah, and then right. fell, rolled, dress rips, but then we like pop up to be like, oh, we're fine, and so it's like there's like multiple angles because Rachel and Will were filming it, um, and so I like had to sew my dress. Anyways, I later was like, oh, I should we should try and license this to like a fail video, and so sent it, didn't think anything of it, and then one morning I start getting all these calls from friends in New York and on the East coast. And they're like, Hey, you were just a featured video on the today show of you falling at your sister's wedding. And then I like looked it up and it's everywhere. It's all over Facebook. It's like MSN.com's like homepage screen. Um, it was on, there was some other, there was a couple other websites that were like, it just blew up on, and it had like a million views in like two minutes or something. So I, on our little Vimeo page, you know, camps in my Vimeo page. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Um, yeah, it went viral. That's amazing. Yeah, I remember seeing that video. And then like later in the day, like seeing people say like, 
oh, this is Alex. And it was like, wait, what? I saw that like on some news site earlier. <laughs> Just uh, yeah. the greatest thing ever. So yeah, I think the sometimes you have to be the brunt of your own viral videos. Totally. Oh, totally. The Coloradoan, um, I think like nine news, they all came up and did a story. And I was like, all right, guys. <laughs> I just fell. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Well, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. And um, I know we could talk for a long time about just storytelling and all of the, like there's so much in the world of storytelling, but I think it's amazing to see people like yourself that you, you're making it happen. Like you're, you know, you're passionate about the stories you're telling and you're building a business around it and um, also helping other people tell their stories well. So thanks so much for joining us today on the Small Business Storytellers. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, I will, is there any, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way to like, just oh, find call you? Call my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> just directly call me. Um, I, the best way is just email or our website, kimsonlight.com. Okay. We, um, or Instagram, but you know how I feel about Instagram. So sometimes I take a hiatus, but yeah, canvasandlight.com would be cool. the best. Awesome. Great. Yeah. yeah, I will put a link to canvasandlight.com in the show notes for people to go and check you out. And I encourage anybody that is getting married uh, or that is planning on doing something stupid at their wedding that they want. <laughs> Just let me know. Yeah, they're pros. So I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, but thanks again for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Storyon Media and Marketing. And our passion is helping small businesses use stories to grow their business. And we create a community that helps you do just that. So if you don't have the budget to hire a big agency, but you really want to learn how to navigate online marketing, how to tell better stories, and really how to build a brand that lasts, then our program, Success with Stories Elite, is for you. Every single week, we give you new trainings, content ideas, and content blueprints to make marketing with stories easy. To join our community, head over to www.successwithstories.com elite, or just click on the link in our show notes. Again, that's successwithstories.com elite. Have an awesome day and let us know what you loved about this episode by leaving a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you so much. My name is Seth Silvers and I will see you next time.